As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Possible! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for the Athletic, Jake King, everyone. And we are joined by special guest, also of the Athletic, Jared Weiss. <laughs> Jared and Jay wrote today on theathletic.com a Celtics NBA draft big board identifying the top 35 prospects who they think the Celtics should go after on Wednesday night's draft. And let me tell you, they disagree. And we are going to explore all of that beef, all of that explosive content here on the podcast. But first, it's rumor season. I mean, it was uh, noon today, Monday, when the moratorium on trades officially uh, came down. We had Shams and Woj going uh, at it before that even happened with some, uh, I'm trying to remember, some big trades. Bryce Brown, Bruce Brown, I'm sorry, got traded from the Pistons to the Nets. Um, There's a Chris Paul trade that uh, we talked about before, but really people want to talk about the rumors. Once a trade happens, it's no longer interesting. It's old news. It's old news. We want to talk about things that might happen. And since this is a Celtics podcast, we got some spice today. With, I think, Mark Murphy reporting in the Boston Herald that teams like Gordon Hayward. <laughs> Wild stuff. Now, there was a big piece of news in there that I found pretty interesting. Um, the player option date for him is actually, I think, a whole 48 hours earlier than we anticipated and is actually coming before the draft. So if you're listening to this, you're probably listening to it on Tuesday. It becomes at 5 p.m. on Tuesday, the 17th. Um Jay, I guess we'll start with you. Does that change anything about Gordon Hayward? Do you expect him to be moved before this option date? How do you think that impacts him? And what are you thinking about the fact that other teams like him as a basketball player? I think from a Celtics perspective, it's just useful to know before making big decisions like you would on draft night. And so from their perspective, it's it's really good that they'll they'll know before draft night whether he's opting in whether he's going somewhere else, whether they'll sign him to a longer term contract, whatever the case may be, 
knowing that before then is is very helpful for them. Um, his future could still be up in the air because if he does opt out, it's is he going somewhere else? Is he trying to negotiate a deal back to Boston? Whatever the case may be. Um, but just that extra 48 hours of information, especially entering a draft when you have three first-round picks, is helpful. Now, we've seen a bunch of other players come in with, like, saying if they're going to decline or accept their player options. Um, AD uh, opted out, shockingly. I mean, he might be on the free agency market. No, that's just a joke. I couldn't even get that one going. Maybe but that's seen... why the Bulls are declining out those qualifying offers. They're ready to make that run at AD. Oh, you best believe we're going to talk about Shaquille Harrison a bit later in this podcast. But uh, Gordon Hayward is come, like going right up to, I guess, the deadline in terms of making that decision. Jared, do you think that's, like, evidence of – Trader Danny making wheels and deals? Is that evidence of Gordon Hayward trying to uh, kind of be in a better negotiating position? Uh, or is it just that maybe he hasn't decided yet? I think they, well, there's like a million different factors that determine whether he does the opt-in. Like, obviously, if he's going to get traded, that's a huge factor of it. If they're figuring out a multi-year deal with another team, that's a huge factor of it. So I think right now at this point, you know, I mean, we've had the offseason has been going for, what, eight months now? even if the season just ended a few weeks ago, like once quarantine hit, everyone's like, all right, well, we might as well start planning for next year at this point. So they, all this stuff has you know already been actively negotiated over for a while. So I think how it's generally working is that his agent is trying to set up different potential trades that could happen around the league. But first and foremost is trying to figure out, can we get a, like a three year, $75 million deal somewhere, which I think is, you know, getting close to the ballpark of, what would entice him to opt out. And I guess maybe Chicago's trying to find a way to open cap space. Although I haven't checked the cap, uh, their cap sheet in the last few minutes to figure out if keeping or letting go of Dunn and Harrison would do anything for them. But I think it's possible that after draft night's over, there might be a, lo- a bunch more teams with cap space all of a sudden than we anticipated. Cause right now we only have a couple teams of cap space and Atlanta is the only one that we could probably see, making a run at Gordon Hayward, you know, maybe Detroit, but I don't think that makes any sense. So at this point for him, it seems like it's the obvious move to opt in and then possibly get moved from there. But I mean, so I I guess, I guess that's to say that like, it's still most likely that he opts in unless there's some sort of deal directly worked out. And that doesn't, that still only gets us like halfway to him actually being a Celtic next season. And if he does opt in, before the draft, then it opens up draft night trade possibilities for the Celtics too. So that that's another layer to this as well. Another like rumor or report that came out today was that he was frustrated by his role uh, with the Celtics, which I guess you can understand. He came in, signed a max contract. Obviously, we all know about the injury history, but it was kind of seemed like news to me. Maybe Gordon Hayward is very good at um, kind of holding his cards close to the vest, but you would never see see any evidence of him being a disgruntled player um, at least before the um, quarantine. And like when we actually could go in the locker room again, would you guys be are surprised to hear that report that he's kind of looking for a a, a kind of a larger role with a different team? No, I mean, it's good to see that nobody reads any of my work because I wrote about this back right when the season ended um, that it kind of was culminating in Indiana for that last game where the Celtics, they barely held on to that win. And Tatum took a bunch of like really shitty shots at the end of the game. And Hayward was very clearly frustrated um, because he kind of, he, I guess he felt that this year he was back and he kind of wanted to go back to being that guy that they would call upon to close out games at certain moments. And I don't think he resents Jason Tatum's emergence or Jalen Brown, uh, same for him. Um, I think it's just like, he recognizes that he's the fourth option on this team and he doesn't, even though he like can recognize that it's fair. Cause he has like pretty good self-awareness. He also is like, you know, I'm at the peak of my career. I'm finally healthy. I also have dreamt of like leading a great team and having this great role my whole life. And I kind of don't want to sacrifice it. So he's in this tr- tricky catch 22 where he obviously wants to win a championship. And I think that Stevens has had to work pretty hard. And I think it's all, it's been pretty open obvious he was just had to work pretty hard to keep him happy for someone that came to town expecting to be like the lead score like the complimentary score next to a great point guard so the fact that the wheels didn't fall off last year 
I thought was actually kind of impressive after what happened the year before. So, you know, if, if you're Gordon and like the Indiana situation emerges where you could potentially be kind of the lead guy on a good team back home where your family is like that, there's there's opportunities like that that clearly are better opportunities for at least you to kind of fulfill everything that you want out of your career. Um, but I mean, if he's pretty confident he's going to win a championship this year and get his fair share of touches, then, you know, I think he'd be into that, too. But it was like it was pretty clear. And I mentioned a few different stories that like he felt like he was he wasn't it wasn't just that he wasn't getting like the touches that he wanted because he felt like he deserved them. But it was more so that he needs like a lot of touches again to a rhythm and to play his best. And he felt like he couldn't really ever do that just because there weren't enough touches to go around. Yeah. I think the question, the, that topic is kind of a complicated one because he did go to Boston with huge dreams. And I can remember talking to him even after the injury, when he was coming back and he talked about how he wanted to be better than he was before when he was on the all-star team and he wanted to make more all-star teams and, and in Boston, like, I just don't anticipate him ever making another all-star team. Like, if he does stay, then Jason Tatum's going to be higher than him on the pecking order. Kemba Walker's going to be higher than him in the pecking order. Jalen Brown's going to be higher than him in the pecking order. And the the gap between him at number four and those guys in the top three could, could grow. Like, Tatum's only going to get more touches. Jalen, I don't think his touches are going to get dipped into at all. Like... He could be an even further distant fourth option in the future than he was this past year, and and I, I understand if if that that does frustrate him, and I understand if he wants to be in a place where he could touch the ball more and be more of a focal point of the offense. I don't think a team with him as the focal point would win anything of of substance, <laughs> like like it wouldn't win championships. But he could be the the focal point of a really good team, like. Like I mean, it, the Bulls are an interesting team that I hadn't really thought about before. They probably were not a contender, but they have some nice young pieces. They have a pick in this draft who, I don't know, maybe is part of a trade, but like they could be uh, an interesting kind of situation for him because I thought before is pretty much limited to the Hawks. And as you guys were talking in, in my intro spiel about this topic, I said there weren't there wasn't a lot of evidence of Hayward being frustrated. But then I thought back to like it was a game in Orlando where both, uh, I think Tatum and Kemba were hurt and Hayward just played a very like great game and had 25 points, like 10 rebounds. And and I remember asking him in the locker room and there were a lot of questions of like Tim and Locker was like, so what's it like to be like the guy again? And he was just like, clearly like, like fuck off. Like, I'm very, I've been this guy for a long time. Go fuck yourself. And I think there's been a number of moments with Gordon Hayward where he does has does have a big game and he's guys asked like, so what's it like to be a star again? And he's just like, I've been this way the entire time. And so you have to give him credit for taking that backseat role and like not really complaining um and not like being an asshole. Uh, because I think he was very much uh willing to come off the bench this year and kind of he gutted it out in the playoffs where he clearly was not a hundred percent healthy. And so if he wants to and find his, the birth of his child to do so, that is true. Yeah. I bet he's pretty pissed off. His that son he did. Too. Yeah. His yeah, first son, son was promised. <laughs> Daddy was not always happy. And I think we're finally coming to the, uh, the uh, figuring that out. Now what's a, like you mentioned the bulls, Jared, but I don't think there's any deals out there that for like, if I'm a Celtics fan and I'm trading Gordon Hayward, uh, I don't know, a top draft pick, especially in this draft doesn't excite me as much as the possibility of getting a player uh, who could possibly have an impact. Now I'm just thinking about drew holiday because his name's been in uh, now that Chris Paul's gone um, and we'll get to James Harden. He's kind of the next big guy in rumor season. Uh, what do you think is like a, a kind of an ideal situation for the Celtics to deal Gordon Hayward? Like, what are you looking to get back if you're Danny H? So this is kind of a weird one uh, because I'm all for it. The last time he was healthy, but they got Otto Porter, who was really, really good two years ago when he was healthy. He shot 45% from three at as a 24 year old averaging 15, six and a half and a couple assists a game. Uh, in his last year in Washington before he got hurt and then got traded to Chicago. When he was healthy with Chicago before he got hurt, he looked really good. Um, and he just didn't have that much time to stay healthy and kind of find himself last year. But he's also he's opting into his player option, another 
he had one of those gigantic contracts from a few off seasons ago. Um, but he's, I'm pretty sure they could make that trade happen pretty much without that much more included. Um, and Porter, I think would fit into the role really well. He's the optimal kind of player. He's a really good three and D player. Uh, so he would be a great fit for a year. And at least he's young where he's, I think still 26, maybe 27, where if he actually plays well and, sh- and stays healthy, you actually would feel a lot more comfortable investing in him long term than like a 31 year old Gordon Hayward. So that's po- that's something that's possible. And of course, you know, it's been a long time since Chicago played basketball. It's been since March. So he's had plenty of time to get healthy. So that one's possible. I don't think it would be a straight up thing, though, because I think Hayward has been generally more available good over the course of the regular season lately than Porter has. So I would assume the Celtics would get like a little bit more out of that. It wouldn't be quite the kind of like Miles Turner flashy, like here's a guy that could be your starter for a long time kind of move, but it could be a slightly better situation than what they have now. And at least doesn't, you know, put them into some sort of long-term like capped out, capped out situation. Cause they're already, they're going to be facing the luxury tax long-term anyway. So this at least allows them to kind of reassess next year. I, I'd be all the way out on a, a Porter <laughs> acquisition. Uh, he's played 29 games over the last two years combined. He has, but was it a strong 29? (laughs) He has never been as good as Gordon Hayward was probably last season. And if, if he has, it it hasn't been much better. If you're grading Gordon Hayward, you're never going to get back like equal value to what Gordon Hayward was last season. Gordon Hayward was phenomenal. If you're trading Gordon Hayward, you'd want something in return for the downgrade in talent. And Otto Porter would be. Well, what about Hayward and all the picks for, uh, and let's throw in like Romeo Langford for Porter and the Bulls, but fourth pick in the draft. That's See, probably that, too high, but that, yeah, that because you know, then you get Isaac Okoro and then you're happy. So th- then, then you'd be talking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think like, like if I'm the Celtics, if I'm giving up, Hayward and there is going to be a talent downgrade. I'd want like some depth in the future, maybe. Like to me, the Magic stand out as like a maybe a decent fit with like Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier, like something like Ooh, that. You're trying to get some savvy vets in the where, mix where you could where you could or Aaron Gordon kind of flip the texture of your roster a little bit, pick up a couple Ooh. of players who would give you some of what Hayward did, but. Flip you know, the texture is a sexy phrase. It's a Carol Lawson <laughs> term right there. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Flip the texture. What an, I, I, that's it's elegant. No, no. Douchebag term. Flip the texture. It was an elegant Lawson. turn of oh, that, phrase, Jay. That's a, that's a raining Jays term right there. That's what happens when you get three Jays in the same podcast. I hate myself for, for saying that. But like something like that would be at least somewhat, somewhat interesting. And then you lock in Terrence Ross. At I think it's thirteen million or something like that for two two additional years, so you do get the additional depth um, in the future for a somewhat lower cost. But I I think the Celtics it, it's tough to find a Gordon Hayward trade that that brings back adequate talent um, in the short term, like something like Drew Holiday. If the Celtics were to add picks and stuff like that to like that would be something that would be really interesting, but I'm not sure if, if that will work either. Given what you said about just it's going to be difficult to get value for Hayward. My question is, assuming he opts in, do you have to trade him? Like, is there a real problem with running it back? No, I mean, he might cry himself to sleep every night, but that's that's Brad's job <laughs> to try to make it work. But no, like there's no impetus to make any of these big moves. The only reason to trade Hayward is to try to just get some sort of asset value out of him because uh, you're just worried you're going to lose him for nothing. Because like, let's be real, there's there, there'd have to be a major, major compromise on both both ends if he were to re-sign after next season. Um, but hey, maybe he comes out there and he plays like you know, good old G time and the Celtics are like, screw it. You know, we have no other way of getting major talent coming in here over the next couple of years. Let's just dive all the way into the tax and pay the crap out of them. So it's possible that that happens, but like the dude's going to be in his early thirties at that point, you know, it's been spotty with the injury history. So I I think they'd like to try to just get a little bit more certainty, especially just because 
their like their plans have gotten messed up by injuries and other weird freak occurrences so many times over the past few years. Like they have they have the golden goose here. Like they got the Tatum Brown pairing. It's one of the best cores to build off of in the NBA. You know, maybe you can have a little bit lower risk appetite around those guys just to you know ensure that you give them a real shot at winning a few titles. Yeah, that's it's an interesting situation because like they and Danny Ainge has said this, he believes the Celtics could have really legitimately contended for a title if they had stayed healthy. And Even if they didn't stay healthy, they could have just not <laughs> fucked up in games one and two of the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Bam Adebayo doesn't block the Jason Tatum duck, like all of history could be different. If Kemba yeah, Walker so. can jump and doesn't just jump into Jay Crowder's hand at the end of game one, I mean, never mind. But sorry, Jay. I got but then it. all the luxury tax stuff is like they're, they're going to pay so much money for this roster no matter what. And keeping Hayward long term would just make it astronomical. But so, what is that? Could you just run it back and then let him walk? Like I know that's just like for all the rumor season people, for all the fake trades, it's like that's a sin. You can't get nothing for a, a contract like that. But I think I just think like Celtics fans in general, and maybe just NBA fans, are just really uncomfortable with the idea of running it back. But. This team was damn good last year, especially when all healthy. You would have to imagine a healthy Hayward and a healthy Kemba makes them a little bit better in that Eastern Conference. If I'm the Celtics and I head into next season with um, probably the same exact core and then someone in exchange for Brad Wanamaker, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about my team. It just feels like fans are so thirsty for trades right now that they need to get something for Hayward, but... I don't know. I feel like running it back's not a bad fallback plan. I keep getting all these comments and tweets mentions like like classic Danny Ainge is going to he's going to pussy out and not make a move again. It's like the Celtics haven't had the same roster year to year since like Brad Stevens got hired. It's been ridiculous. They change every year and most of the teams that win championships except for this Lakers team have continuity. I mean, even this Lakers team, some of the role players in LeBron when he showed up last year, like there was a little bit of continuity there. Uh, but most teams, they have to fail a couple times and they finally get over the hump. And like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are still on their rookie contracts. I guess Jalen's finally moving on to a second contract. But like your two best players are on their rookie contracts. You're not supposed to win titles. Think about how long it took OKC to finally break through and make the finals. Um, and how many times they came up short. And so it's like run it back one time with one complete starting lineup. And they're gonna get so they're gonna get better. Like Daniel Tice, as amazingly as he overachieved last year. I mean, either the league's gonna figure him out somehow and he's gonna suck, or he's probably There's gonna no get a little bit better. Daniel like, Tice. Yeah. He's like Kemba Walker couldn't really have had that much worse of a playoff performance last year. There's a lot of room for improvement there as well. Tatum for all the history that he was making with the numbers he was putting up was still like horrible trying to close games out. Like there's so much room for growth there because people, people can only people don't like, can't think of like player development. They don't think of guys just like get better. Um, They don't think of like, Hey, you can adjust the schemes and learn from stuff. Cause that stuff's, you know, above the casual fans pay grade. So they, all they can think of is signings and trades and blowing shit up. So yeah, more, more of the same is definitely on the right track to, to winning like now. My crazy idea because fans like trade so much is that you shorten the season to 28 games and you play for two months and then you have a month long off season and you do that four times a year because I swear to God, people are more interested in trades and free agency than they are about the actual games, which is kind of insane. But with that being said, let's talk about more rumors for trades and free agency. We we're gonna—I was gonna bring up uh, Shaq Harrison, like the Celtic. I mean, the Bulls did not pick up or extend him a qualifying offer. Uh, Sean Grandy tweeted out an eye emoji compared to that. Is he your uh, Shaq Harrison is the new David Nwaba? Ooh, <laughs> is he moved the needle? Is he is he a Brad Wanamaker upgrade? Is he someone the Celtics might think, target? I don't think he necessarily be a brad wanamaker upgrade but he's an interesting dude with certainly a he's certainly a really good defender and he's like intriguing and he'll be cheap so shaq harrison is out there shaq harrison guys so i disagree as we always do here at the athletic um shaq harrison is a massive upgrade 
So I have from sturdy and solid Brad Wanamaker. (laughs) Have you seen that man in transition? He will not pass the ball. It's funny funny because Shaq's like the opposite player. He's like all super energy, really long, quick twitch, all that kind of stuff. Um, He could be a bit of a mess out there, but the dude can do a lot. I have him as a top free agent for the Celtics. He's he's at the top of my free agency big board. A bit of a mess out there does not sound uh, either solid nor sturdy. And so I'm a little bit weary about extending him the, the kind of backup point guard role. But this is enough Shaq Harrison talk. Really, the biggest rumor out there right now, which is absolutely insane, is that James Harden, and this is according to Woj, rejected a $50 million year extension from the Rockets and has demanded to be traded to the Brooklyn Nets to join uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Mark Stein just tweeted five minutes ago that the Rockets are intent on keeping James Harden and are not going to honor that request. Now, my first reaction to the idea of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant being on the same team was that um, I didn't like it because uh, they're quite talented. And normally the way to win in this league is to acquire top end talent. Immediately people are like, oh my God, it's never going to work. It's one ball. I mean, it's the, a c- complete meltdown. Sure, all of those things could happen, but you have- Yeah, James Harden and Kevin Durant. Two they of the best five players. They, they could never make the NBA finals together. There's no chance. It's just like that would be an absolute nightmare scenario for the Celtics. I know it's like fun to say super teams come up and like Kyrie Irving is going to ruin chemistry and start talking about the third eye and things like that. But if you're the Celtics and you didn't, you basically, you couldn't make it through the East last season in which the Nets were not fully healthy. If the Nets also add James Harden to their team, it's not a good thing. Uh, wild situation. The thing that's crazy is that the Nets by no means have like the best package for a potential James Harden deal. It's going to be very interesting to see how much sway, because from that Woj tweet, it seemed like it was a list of one. It wasn't just like, get me out of here. It was like, I want to go to Brooklyn and make artisanal pickles. But Jared, I guess like, what's your reaction to the latest in the James Harden saga? Yeah, I don't see any way he's going to Brooklyn. Like he like Karis Karis Levert, Jared Allen, and a bunch of like okay bench players is not that's just not gonna get it done. When you have they just got Bruce Brown. <laughs> that's right. They could flip uh, Bruce Brown. They had to give up John and Musa, so they paid a real price there. But when you have Bradley Beal could be in that, uh could be on the table. Uh Jalen Brown could be on the table. Ben Simmons could be on the table. There's just so many more. There's just so many other players that are just a massive upgrade compared to Carrots Levert. Um, that I just I don't see any possible way that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't see it either. And I know that players have forced a team's hand before and kind of directed where they want to go. But I think it's important to know that one thing: Harden still has two years left on his deal. Like th- this is not a case where even even if he leaves. It's just a one-year thing. Like you get, you get James Harden MVP candidate for at least two years. Two. The second thing is, like, the Lakers actually ended up with an awesome package for Anthony Davis. Like he was trying to force his way there, but they got lottery lucky. They had Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, who were both better prospects than anything the Nets can offer. And I know Harden's older than Davis was at that juncture, but he's as similar to Davis in other ways as, as you can get in a superstar uh, deal. And I, I just think that there will be other offers, including one maybe from Daryl Morey, the the guy who used to work with James Harden in the Houston. guy who caped for his MVP campaign for the yeah. past four seasons. And and Ben like Ben Simmons is easily trumps what the Nets could offer almost by himself, maybe even by himself. So and, and that's another possible disaster scenario for the Celtics too. Like if, if he goes that's to why Philly, they hired Doc Rivers. Embiid and Daryl Morey would I mean Embiid and Daryl Morey. Embiid and James Harden would be ferocious like that is really really dangerous no matter what it seems if james harden ends up in the atlantic division or just in the east in general it's probably worse for the celtics um 
but you're right. It it seems like like this will really test, I guess, like player empowerment. It just it doesn't feel like a trade to Brooklyn makes any sense. As Jay mentioned, he just doesn't have the same leverage that AD has. And if I'm the Rockets and I'm likely going to trade Russell Westbrook as well, I'm going to want a star back. And as good as Karis LeVert is against the Boston Celtics, I don't think he cares as a star. As much as Spencer Dinwiddie uh, has invested his contract in Bitcoin, I don't think he's a mover or a shaker. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out with that. I mean, by the time we record this, who knows? There might be another demand uh, from the Harden camp. There would probably be more Woj tweets, more Shams tweets. Um, but that's all the excitement of true trade season and rumor season. Uh, so I don't know. We can't really speculate. The one well, here's, thing. Here's that- the thing, though. Here's the thing is like, if you're Houston, like, what is James going to do? Is he going to show up to camp out of shape and not play defense? Like, he already does that every single year. Like, he's not, the, the guy's not going to tank your season just to, like, just to get his way out of there. He's going to, because he needs to keep putting up, he needs to keep scoring 35 a night if he wants his shoes to sell enough that it makes a difference up for him passing on that contract. Cause, like, these guys can pass on, he can pass on that fifty million dollar deal and instead get forty three a year from another team in a year or so because we'll make up the difference with Adidas and all of his other sponsors if he continues to be at the forefront of the conversation in the NBA. So he can't just like tank the season away. But it could turn into like a was it oh six Kobe when he averaged like thirty five a night for a shitty team. It could be one of those situations where he's like talking about how like Daniel House needs to like get the hell out of town and all this kind of stuff. Like he could he could make things crazy, but that's fine because Tillman Fertita, he just wants to save as much money as possible. I don't think he cares about winning or any of that crap. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So as long as he stays in Houston, I'm happy. Yeah. The Celtics are a weird, like, superstar potential option if Danny Ainge decides to get crazy. Like, a jailhouse part. A Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and picks option would be pretty good. Pretty good. It would definitely be competitive with a lot of the offers out there. I still think like Ben Simmons could trump that. Um, I still think there are other teams that could build, obviously, really good offers too. But that's like, if he decides to get wild, and I don't think he will in this case, but if he does decide to get wild, they are they'll they'll play a, a part in the discussion. I mean, if they're not gonna like wanting to go into the tax, I think paying James Harden forty five million dollars over the next couple of years would definitely be in the tax. But I don't know. As a fan, is it be- like it's for some reason I'm just completely out on them trading Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, mostly because I've just you know, I've been with them ever since they were were drafted and rookies and just have that emotional connection to them. And the idea of being saying no to James Harden seems kind of crazy. But uh, for some reason, I haven't even started like considering those deals just because it feels like they're building. The, I'm on team run it back. Just run it back and let the young guys go, get better. Um, right now, we're going to transition. We're going to pivot to Wednesday night's NBA draft. We brought you two on because of your just endless bickering about the top 35 players in this draft class. Amazing that all we've heard is that this draft class, oh, it's like there's no a lot of great, not a lot of great players at the top. It's just not a good draft class. But you guys decided to write about 35, probably more than that, because did you guys have the same 35? No, uh, people? not at all. So you probably probably talk about 40 different individuals. Jay was bringing Maybe out even high, more than that. high school players. So we're talking about the uh, it's a real weak draft Chet, class. Chet Holmgren, baby. The only time I, I see the name Chet Holmgren and I just can't 
respect the name Chet because I see it and I think of Chet uh, Hayes, Tom Hanks' son. I think of Chet Stedman. And when you think of Chet Stedman, that, that – You think of the cheese. That totally, <laughs> totally changes how you think about Chet's. Yes. Uh, wow. The thing is, he look, he looks like a Chet. Like when you look at him, you're like, yeah, that guy's name is Chet. Yeah, Jay, you just you just rocked my world with a Chet Stedman reference. That guy, rookie of the year reference. Oh my God, what funky butt loving that was! But like, let's get into, uh, let's just get into this top uh, this big board. You guys each picked your top thirty five players, and your top five were wildly different. Jay, you came in with uh, Memphis big man James Wiseman as your number one prospect. Jared. Doesn't even have him in the top five. So Jay, explain yourself. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's really tall and really athletic and in phenomenal shape. And I just think even though obviously the league is going away from centers, if you can get a seven foot one dude who can really move and can slide his feet and can catch lobs, then he'll probably be helpful. And I, in a, a more normal draft, I think, I would have docked him more points for not being a wing or a guard and a possible playmaker in the modern NBA. But in this draft, I have so many questions about all the other top prospects too that he, the the safety of getting a guy who should at least be like a starting center was attractive. All right, Jared, now tell me why he sucks. Yeah, so he's dog shit. So basically, <laughs> so I, I have Wiseman at number five. Yeah, I just um, noticed that now. It, it was better for the game, and you didn't even have him in the top five, but you do have him fifth. Well, I, I barely had him at number five for the record. It's so basically, all right, my top five was LaMelo Ball, Anyeko Kongwu, the big man out of USC, Killian Hayes, the point guard out of Germany, Tyrese Halliburton, the Iowa State kind of combo guard, and then Wiseman, while Jay had Wiseman number one, Ball number two, then you had Anthony Edwards, number three, who a lot of people have, you know, number one or two. Isaac Okoro, who's like a really exciting wing defender, number four. And then the big difference was Jay had Obi Toppin, the Dayton big man, number five. Ain't no stopping Toppin, Obi Toppin. I have Toppin at, I think I haven't have him at like number 14 or 15 on the Celtics board. So I have him at number 14. So ironically, if the Celtics are at number 14, Obi Toppin's there. I'm like, yeah, sure, take him, even though I have him way back in the big board. And that's because... Same thing with Wiseman. Those guys don't really have a role that's needed on the Celtics. So Wiseman is he's kind of like DeAndre Ayton, where you like you 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 have to kind of run your offense through him to a certain degree. At least Ayton, Ayton is turning into what could be a really good pick and roll guy, pick and pop guy. I don't know if I don't have confidence that Wiseman's going to turn into much of a pick and pop guy. So you're either throwing it to him in the post or you're using him as a pick and roll guy. While Okungwu, who I've been really high on for a few years now, he is like he's very much like Bam Adebayo. He's the kind of guy that can do a lot of dribble handoff stuff at the elbows. He can be an amazing role man. Um, he's not quite the passer that well. We don't know because Bam didn't really pass at all in college, and then two years into his pro career, all of a sudden he's like Bill Walton out there. So maybe maybe there's some of that in Onyeka's game, but Onyeka is like the perfect guy to be a compliment to an offense that already has a lot of great creators so that's why i have okungu all the way up there because wiseman could end up being a pretty good defender and obviously like like jay said he's a freaking monster near the rim um but he's really similar to time lord he's kind of like a little bit taller time lord with better hips basically um like there's not that much different in their skill capability honestly like time lord could genuinely be as good as james wiseman so if i'm boston I would love to have a guy like Okungwu because I know he'll be a great pick and roll player and he can defend. He can de- defend in any scheme. You can have him switching on the guards and wings. He'll he'll nail that stuff and he'll also be a monster near the rim. So that's why I'm really high on Okungwu. Um, and then just about Toppin. Toppin, he could be an amazing pick and roll guy. So you could play with him as a center, run pick and roll. And it's like having Amari Sadamire on your team. Like he could be amazing at that. But the dude is so bad on defense. There's just... He has no defensive position in the NBA. He can't guard wings. He can't really guard from the weak side. And he's like Ennis Cantor in pick and roll. He's like, it's like he's Yikes. it's like he's stuck on his heels and his shoes are tied together in pick and roll. It's, it's a nightmare. Toppin was so hard for me to place because he really is a force. He's as, a force for sure. As a finisher. And offensively, like he can shoot too. He's he can shoot threes a little bit. 
he's he has a chance to be such a good offensive player. He could be like Blake Griffin, which is really good, but also it's hard to fit into a team that's already full of really good players. Yeah, and he he's just such a ridiculous finisher. I was like, you know what? I am going to put this guy at number five. There was one three-minute stretch in a game. I was watching on Synergy. It was literally three minutes. He dunked on someone's head in the post, got got a 360 dunk in transition, did a between-the-legs dunk in transition, and then dunked on someone else, and it was all in three minutes. And I was like, holy shit. That made it move. I was I was doing things for now, in the King household. It, it was tough, but it was really tough to place him because he obviously does have defensive limitations, and like all the positive things you say about how he could be like Amari Stoudemire, and he actually could be like Amari Stoudemire offensively. He could very well be like Amari Stoudemire defensively too. <laughs> and I think with the way bigs are in today's game, that that could be even more harmful to a defense than it was for Phoenix when Amari was playing. Now, you guys both had kind of big men at the top of your board. I, I mean, Jared, you had LaMelo first, but looking to fill the role. I feel like there's two clear roles that the Celtics need is that uh, a kind of a, a more t- higher talent, as much as I love Daniel Tice at the center position, and then kind of a backup guard uh, who can do a little bit of ball handling, maybe some shooting off the bench. Killian Hayes is a guy that KOC's at the top of his board. You mentioned is at the top of your board, uh, but – Jared, you had him dropping a little bit because of his swag, open floor athleticism. Please explain. So actually, Kevin that's, texted that's me the today. right quote, right? The the source said his his open floor athleticism is swag. Uh, I think I think they said it was jaw droppingly bad or jarring. Oh wow! Um, so actually, uh, Kevin texts. I hope Kevin doesn't get mad at me for saying this, but just because you mentioned it, Kevin texted me today. We we argued for like an hour over whether I should have dropped Killian. Because he and I have been like the high, like leading the Killian Hayes train for over a year now, and killing him softly. Yeah, but sh- did you send that text? I forget. So yeah, I'm pretty sure I, you I, say I, that. I, I was like, that's that brilliant. Yeah, Jay said that in a text the other day. I'm like, that's brilliant. So if if the Celtics do you're get him, proud you're of, wait, 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 you're proud of killing him softly, but you didn't like flip the texture. <laughs> I am. I am proud of killing him softly. There's no Fuji's uh, clip of texture song to uh, back that to. But so, all right. So basically, I got that note on Killian. And then I went to talk to someone else who's seen him play live. And they said, yeah, like you, when you see him in person, his athleticism is is a little under, is, is underwhelming compared to what you expect. So between that and the fact that like so many people who have gone and scouted LaMelo Ball in person, I, so I, I've seen LaMelo, I saw LaMelo Ball play in person when he was, I think, 16. And he was like, it was fucking horrible. And I laughed LaMelo ball off. And over the that over the next couple of years, he's actually turned into a pretty amazing player. So I kind of had to just kind of back off of my own biased opinion of him because he's just grown so much. While Hayes, Hayes has grown a ton over the past year. But again, I haven't seen him in person yet because he's playing overseas. So because of that, I just decided I'm going to listen to what people are telling me that he probably shouldn't be at the top spot. And like I do agree that LaMelo's playmaking ability and his length and his floater game and his ability to finish is going to be pretty incredible at that position in the NBA. And that's like, while I think Hayes is the perfectly balanced point guard for the modern NBA, the perfect heir apparent for Kemba Walker, so we can kind of be an understudy for a couple of years because he's not going to be ready when he gets to the league, but it's going to take him three years to be ready. Um, I do think Killian could end up being like the perfect player for the Celtics by, at the end of the day. But because LaMelo's the one guy in this draft that has like an elite all NBA level skill to his game, I I just decided to put him in number one because you really you pretty much always go for those guys. If they if they could do something like James Harden, that's just so insanely incredible, you're willing to put up with all the other stuff and you're willing to build around that. Now, like we're talking about the top five picks, so assuming this would be if the Celtics are going to get one of these players, they're going to have to trade up. And now we know it pretty much seems like everyone is trying to trade down. Um, it's an interesting kind of question and actually an interesting moment on the Austin Ainge uh, press conference today. I was shocked to hear it, um, but I think it was maybe Corrales who asked the question. I don't want to give him too much credit, but <laughs> given how much uh, people's draft boards vary, and then I'm looking at your guys' kind of top draft board right now, there doesn't seem to be a consensus of like, I think there's a consensus of who the top three picks are going to be. But after that, it seems pretty wild 
uh, about where different teams value players. Like there could be guys available at number nine that the Celtics never thought were going to be available, or there could be guys dropping um, way farther than anyone's ever uh, thought. Like I'm seeing on Jared, your board, like Patrick Williams is the 11th. Now you might've like ranked him there um, because of his fit for the Celtics, but you like, I've seen other articles leading up to draft week where like Patrick Williams is the steal of the draft. I ranked him higher because of that. Actually, I would have had him at like 15 if it weren't for the fact that teams in the top six or seven are looking at into him. And there's a lot of people swearing that he's really good, but Jay and I like spent the weekend talking about how we both don't see it. We both don't think he's worth, but how do we, how do we know who the hell is going to be there available at 14? Like if we just no idea what's going to happen like picks four through that's 13 how the is. that's how the draft is every year sam not normally normally there's like this guy's a high lottery pick this guy's a low lottery pick this guy is like like right this- now there's it could be anything i'm seeing jay in your top theme top 15 is desmond bain i've seen sixers twitter going off about how much they love desmond bain they don't have a pick till the 20s like how? Why? why I, well, they I, I was very early with Desmond Bain. You won't, sell me you on won't Desmond, Bain. Desmond Bain that high in a lot of. He's kind of got some Malcolm Bro- Malcolm Brogdon to him, where he's really efficient and strong as hell, and he's going to get knocked because he stayed in college his whole career, and because his wingspan, I believe, is a negative wingspan. Ooh, um, six five wingspan on a six six body. I measured my wingspan the other day just to rub it in your face, Jay. I have. Three inch positive wingspan. Oh wow. wow! Wow! You're a defensive threat now. You have defensive I've, versatility. That's the only thing I can do in basketball. I think people who watch the <laughs> media got, game. I've got three inch negative wingspan. That's why we're even, my friend. But uh, wait, Desmond Bain has negative wingspan, yeah, and you want me wingspan. to draft him at number fourteen? <laughs> well, well, he can really shoot. He's like six six five or six six, and strong as hell and can handle the ball and pass it and he's smart so he has a lot of good qualities and in this draft like i i just think if you can get a a solid role player which i think he'll be then then that's a pretty good outcome i mean but jared give me some guidance here who is the player because there's so many players who we've gotten evaluations for some players are you think are good i like what i'm hearing about rj hampton he's been mocked to the celtics for a while um but it feels like they could end up with absolutely anybody at 14 if they stay with that pick. Who's a player I should be looking out for that they pick and you and I, I should go off? Shit, that was awful. Who's like a player <laughs> who really shouldn't be picked at 14 who still might who might be there? Honestly, I think this might hurt Jay's feelings, but if they take Sadiq Bay. That's how you know that nothing that that they just they struck out. And they're like, all right, we got to take Sadiq Bay. See, I I I was a huge Sadiq Bay guy when he was considered like a second round talent. I was like, <laughs> I was like he's got to be. Oh, like, we had him at the same spot in our big boards. Mid for yeah, yeah. Like, as as it became closer to the draft, and I realized Sadiq Bay was like actually a possible lottery pick. I I'm still a member of the Bay Hive. I still think he'll he has a chance to be a rotation guy in the league for a long time. But like I'm I'm less high on him than I was when I thought he was just a second round prospect. So okay, so so I mean Sadiq Sadiq is clearly gonna be a solid rotation player in the NBA. He's just like he doesn't really have that much like you know good starter potential. I think he's so like, he's, think he's, he's gonna be a sixth seventh man. He's Grant Williams. <laughs> I, I think Grant Williams has more potential value than he does. Um so okay if they take there's a few okay. If they take uh Alexei Pokuzevsky, the the like seven foot dirk guy uh out of uh he's he's in Greece, he's Serbian. Then his friends call him Poku. Yeah, so but it's, it's, we'll call him Poku. Th- that'll be boring because like even if he comes over this year, the dude's not even remotely close to being ready. And he's probably gonna look like crap at first, and people are gonna hate watching him, or they're gonna think he's like hilariously charming with his ridiculously lanky goofiness. Because he's like a poor man's Chet Holmgren, basically at this point. Um, but yeah. he could turn into something pretty incredible if he pans out. He's like he's a, he's a seven footer that can like legit stroke it and handle the ball and all that kind of stuff. So if they take him, that's just going to be boring. If they take Precious Achua, the kind of like converted center out of Memphis, then that signals that they're probably moving on from the Williamses, one of them at least, because he he's kind of like a cross between the two of them. 
uh, but he he would probably replace Rob Williams. That tells me that they're probably they're they're either hedging their bets on Rob Williams at that point, or they're actually planning on moving Rob Williams at that point. Precious is really cool, but I mean, for one, his name is Precious Achua, which is an amazing strong. Name. Two, he's like six nine with like a seven two wingspan, who's played wing most of his career and has like probably like a forty five inch vertical. Like the dude is one of the most insane leapers I've ever seen in person in my life, and he's actually like a he's, he turned into a center over the last like year and a half, and he actually is pretty solid as like a pick and roll center and defending in the pick and roll on you know he's he's good at a lot of the center stuff and switching stuff on defense, but like the dude can also like put the ball on the floor, cross guys up, and get to the rim. So he there's not really any players in the NBA like him. He would kind of be the first of his kind of, of like a micro ball center kind of player. So he's, he's a really interesting gamble, but I assume if they're getting him because he can do so much of the stuff that Rob Williams can do, that probably means that they're moving on from Rob Williams. And if I don't get the right time Lord anymore, that just takes away like a lot of the fun from this job, honestly. I would strong Very agree. Cool. But like at this point, maybe you guys know more about this than me. Like, how much intel do they do the Celtics have on who the other teams are going to take? Because they do have some later round picks. Uh, and it's like, do you think that maybe someone will fall to 26? Like, or do they just identify their guy at 14 who they need to have? Uh, how much is a wait and see? It just feels like there's so much unknown with this draft. And maybe I'm just speaking for, oh, no, no, I am speaking from a place of ignorance here. <laughs> but it definitely feels like there's so many, uh, so much more unknowns where it's like, do they just go for their guy who they believe in? Or is it like a, a wait and see uh, approach? Because it also feels like because they have three picks, they're going to want to go for like a, maybe a draft and stash guy. Does that lock them in to Bolmaro from Spain? Uh, do they get played like the Sixers did with Tybal, where they basically just uh, like show a, the person they're picking and basically have to trade up to get him. Um, it's interesting to see is like, do they just, are they solely focused on getting their guy at 14 or maybe they play the wait and see game, try to package their picks. I want from both of you before we wrap up um, some later half, some 20 to 30, we'll go 20 to 35 since you guys went all the way to 35 on your big board. Some players you would be like, nice. That's a good pickup for the Celtics. I'm seeing the game name, uh Zeke Naji, uh, which is a strong name. I like anyone named Zeke. You guys both have him in the 25 to 26 range. You don't have to pick him. I just thought I would highlight him. But Jay, give me your late rounder who you think would be a, a solid fit for the Celtics. I like Xavier Tillman as a player. But a not lot. as a guy? No, just not, <laughs> not, necess not necessarily for the Celtics. Um even though I had him pretty high on my big board because I think the value there would be strong and he's going to be at least a pretty good player for a while. With next to Grant Williams, who kind of does some of the same stuff, I think there would be some overlap there. And not necessarily like you don't necessarily need a ton of undersized big men who can't really play offense too well. Um, you don't need it, but it sure is fun. But he's he's one of my he's one of my favorite prospects that will probably be available in the latter half of the second round. Um, Paul first Reed, round. Paul yeah, first round. Paul Reed is an interesting one because there are a lot of analytic guys who really like Paul Reed quite a bit, and then if you talk to some of the basketball guys, they're maybe not as high on him. Um, so I'm intrigued by him. But but I'm not sold on him. Let me jump in real quick on Paul Reed because Paul Reed is fat. So Paul Reed is someone they could definitely draft in the second round. Um, Paul Reed is one of those guys that on paper looks like he's the same player as like Precious Ajua. And then you watch the tape and you can just like see the clear differences where like Paul Reed is like he's really solid. He does a few things really nice. He's very composed. And then you watch Precious and Precious like is like flying all over the place, super twitchy, like super like he's like floating on air when he's defending. Um, he can put the ball on the ground and cross guys up and like do all this really complicated stuff offensively. So I think that's where you see like kind of the difference between someone like Achua who could be a mid first round pick or even surprise us in the high lottery while like Reed is kind of a borderline first round pick, probably a second round pick just because he like fits the template really well. 
but there aren't a lot of things that he does at a really like outstanding level. He just does like a bunch of stuff solidly. But Paul Reed would be solid for them at the end of the first round. All right, Jared, I want, I want one more guy, not from Jay's list, but from your list, a late guy who fit in well with the Celtic scheme. So Emmanuel Quickly is a combo guard out of Kentucky. Sheesh! His name's Emmanuel Quickly? Oh, that's right. And he is not as quick as you would expect for somebody with that Oh, name. that's disappointing, <laughs> but still. But he, he kind of pretty much played point guard when he was in high school. It was really good. It was like a top, I think like a top 10 player in his class. And in two years at Kentucky, he kind of had to adjust a bit to become more of like an off-ball guard, but he developed a really good quick trigger spot-up shot. So he can he's probably going to be a very good 3 and D combo guard kind of guy who's like honestly like a really good Brad Wanamaker. Like, but he's more athletic. He can he can handle he can he can dribble off of a closeout without traveling, which is a very exciting skill he possesses. Um, and I think he can do some stuff like with the floater game, getting to the rim. And he's like six two six three with like a six eight six nine wingspan so he he um the big thing with him was he wasn't much of a defender earlier on and then last year he really turned into kentucky's like go-to defender uh and so i think he's going to turn into a very good defender in the nba defending point guards you know some twos some threes um but i think his strokes legit and apparently boston really liked what they saw saw out of him so even though he's projected to be like a mid-second round pick i wouldn't be surprised if they took him at like 26 or 30 and made you know he's like the guy that they would take early i was surprised by how quickly i started to hate prospects <laughs> did you like, do that for a minute i, I, got, I got like somewhere around the, the 20 spot and i was like oh man did you get to Emmanuel quickly and then you started hating people? No, I never got to Emmanuel quickly. He he was not in my 35. Um, but even before then, like Cole Anthony, like he could be okay, but I am not convinced by what he did in college. He was like the number three prospect in the country coming into the season. Yeah, I know there were some extenuating circumstances, but just the decision-making alone that he showed in college – really really turned me off um and then there there could be like some big man value in this draft because i there was a lot of really good college big men here's where jay is going to cape for vernon carey jay you have the floor yes go for it i am fully aware of vernon carey's limitations i just want to point that out i think he has a chance to be a destructive defender in the NBA <laughs> in all the wrong ways. I also know that he just averaged 29 points and 14 rebounds per 40 minutes in the ACC as a fucking 18-year-old, and that's pretty good. There is not a single player in college basketball who could guard him. I think he'll be a plus offensive player, and I think – like a lot of times I think with defense, it's just like because a guy can't do it at a certain point of his life, we just kind of cross him off from ever becoming even a passable defender. If he becomes a passable defender, like not a not a good defender, not just not a destructive defender, I think he'll have a place in the league for a long time. And people are have him in some cases like low second round draft grade. But but he's not the only one. It's like there are a number of centers who are really productive in college. Isaiah Stort being one of them, like just just guys who kicked ass in college and and teams could be able to get either end of first round, somewhere in the second round. And I think some of those guys will be rotation big guys. Oh, so Ver- Vernon Carey's another Greg Monroe or Ennis Cantor. Like he's which which like isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. Like the dude, the dude will play in the NBA. He'll get some minutes. He actually, when I saw him, I saw him at the Hoopal Classic in Springfield a couple of years ago when he was I think like 16 or 17. He looked exactly like Boogie Cousins, like like good Boogie Cousins. Like he would, they would give him the ball at the three point elbow, and he would just like cross the dude up and then just explode, and like people just like fly off of him, and he would dunk it. It was insane. But and maybe that face up game will come back when he's in the NBA, and he'll be able to really take guys off the dribble. But he's kind of like a poor man's Obi Toppin, actually. That's what he really is, which makes him basically like Greg Monroe. But he can move a little bit better than that. Uh, Stewart, at least, is like super active and works his butt off. And people really love him, at least like as a character guy. So 
Isaiah Stewart could fit at least from that regard, even if his offensive skill set doesn't really fit. That's pretty much all I'm looking for at this point. It's really hard to get a solid contributor this late in the draft where the Celtics uh, second and third picks are. So if the guy is cool or somewhat has a good personality, I'm definitely looking forward to talking myself into him. I'm looking forward to talking myself into whoever the Celtics draft on Wednesday night. Um, but I didn't even talk about my favorite prospect yet. Ooh, Jay King. Favorite trade-up potential for the Celtics. Isaac Okoro, man. Oh, yeah. You put in 17 clips from him from Synergy. So let's hear it about uh, Isaac Okoro. I did put in a lot of Synergy clips. And I I, I realized, like, he's he's clearly not a great shooter. He's gonna That's going to need a change for him in the NBA. I just think he has, first of all, the physique that you want a guy to have coming out of college. 6'6", 225, 230, can really move, has light feet can guard a lot of different positions. He he makes smart reads. He can hit a rolling big that, man. That, that's the other piece of it. I, I think he'll at least be a pretty good defender. Like, worst case scenario, he's a pretty good defender who can guard up because he's 6'6", 230, who can guard down because he has good feet. And the upside for him, I think he's one of the few wings in this draft that has a chance to be a primary shot creator. And like he did some pick and roll stuff in college that for a 19 year old, his size is just really, really rare. Like he, he has a little young Jimmy Butler sort of thing to him. And I don't know if he'll ever get there. I don't know if the shot will ever come around enough. I don't know if the, the handle will ever come around enough, but he got to where he wanted and he's a pretty good passer already. And he he has a feel in the pick and roll, which is pretty rare for a, a guy his size and age. So th- that's why I'm really high on him, probably higher than a lot of other people are. Not a lot. I mean, uh, and also his motor is off the charts. Like, dude, dude, well, he's like a borderline Marcus Smart level competitor. He will he will definitely earn a lot of Tommy points, RIP. Um, but he he'll he'll definitely be crashing into the empty courtside seats all the time. Like you know he's gonna be doing that kind of stuff. But there are a lot of people um, that know more, way more about the draft than I do that think that he's going to turn into a good spot-up shooter and maybe even a pull-up shooter and have him as like third or fourth on their board and think he actually will turn into, I mean, Jimmy Butler is a pretty insanely high bar even after, or even before that playoff run. But yeah, for sure. I do think he could turn into like a borderline all-star caliber player. So like it's, Okoro is like a guy that you see, like some people have him as like third or fourth in the draft. Some people have him as like eighth or ninth. So his, you know, he, he could turn into he could turn into the best player in this draft, honestly. Well, if you, the listener gods out there, want to see five different clips of uh, Okoro in action, you can go to theathletic.com. They were some good clips, weren't they? I just like that you there no other clips in the entire piece, but you went five for one guy who uh, you put fourth on your list, but I guess you just really are into Okoro, but. I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked a little multimedia break in between all that uh, book learning I had to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to show the people why I like Okoro as much as I do. If you guys want to read uh, Jay and Jared's back and forth on The Athletic, you should subscribe. I'm pretty sure we're still giving this away for $1 a month. So go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. I'm 100% sure we are, but... Even if we're not, it's still very cheap for some elite level journalism. And both Jay and Jared are going to be giving you uh, fantastic coverage of the Celtics as we maneuver through the NBA draft, through trade and rumor season. And in about a month, we're going to be starting a training camp, uh, less than a month here in Boston. And so you're going to want to subscribe to The Athletic to get both of their uh, excellent coverage. Um, you should know where to follow them both. On the internet, you can find Jared at Jared Weiss NBA at J at by J King, or you can follow me at Jam Packard. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate it, give it five stars, tell a friend about it, tell a stranger on the bus about it. Although tell probably a should... tell a friend, yeah, uh, play and a game of telephone, play a game of telephone, and just say anything is potable, and then they'll tell their friend something uh, slightly different. It's a lot of fun, but. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend. And I want to say 
Thank you for listening to this episode. Where are people playing telephone right now? Anything is possible. Please don't play telephone. I'm realizing in the era of COVID, (laughs) that's a terrible idea. You're just coughing into people's. Although, if you play telephone with a mask on, does it make telephone more fun? Telephone with a telephone. Well, because then with the clear signal provided to you by, if I were sponsored by a cell phone company, that would have been great. But um, because that ruins all the fun of telephone. Is Boost Mobile still around? I feel like they would sponsor this. No, but there you would you'd have to chirp through walkie-talkie mode, and it, that was actually probably oh probably yeah, best. Give me an old Sprint like Motorola flip phone and do some chirping. Yeah. All right, guys, don't breathe Anything? in don't breathe in people's ears unless they you have consent. <laughs> Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.